0: Heather Infantry, today's guest, is the CEO of The Giving Gap, a nonprofit that profiles black founded nonprofits to help them close the funding gap. Black founded nonprofits receive much less funding than white founded nonprofits. Heather will share insights about her work and her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Heather, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm just thrilled to have a chance to connect with you and learn more about the amazing work that you're doing.
1: Thanks, Devin. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, it it
0: seems like there was a triggering event that began your work with The Giving Gap. Would you mind sharing the story there? I think this is interesting and really relevant to your work. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So about, about three years ago, all of us were sheltering in place uh, due to the global pandemic. And during that time, we were shocked um, at, what, at what was a public lynching of an African-American man in Minnesota um, at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer whose name is Derek Chauvin. And, uh, In complete grief, Uh, a lot of us watched that with dismay, other others of us were not surprised by this incident. And more than that, there were folks who wanted to see something done about it, wanted to see justice in some way, wanted to uh, bring awareness and visibility to the, the larger issue that this was bringing forth in our collective consciousness just not around issues of police brutality but just how the global pandemic was revealing to us uh, decades of disparities that we've been experiencing in this country particularly um you know the black residents of this of this of this nation social social disparities economic disparities and in true fashion like you know, you can, you can speak negatively about a lot of things, but the human spirit is eternally hopeful and optimistic and uh, with intention to do good in the most dire of situations. And it was that feeling that prompted so many of us to want to do something, right? And we saw philanthropic dollars going to organizations. We saw a call to support black businesses. We saw community members reaching out to neighbors and volunteering in all these different kinds of ways. And it is out of that uh, energy and urgency that Giving Gap was born. Our co-founder, Christina Lewis, like all of us, you know, was sheltering in place and and watching all of these events unfold and as a as a serial entrepreneur, she sprung into action and thought, okay, I've, I've always been in this nonprofit philanthropic space. What can I do from where I sit in this community? And so she rallied her colleagues, her peers, her friends, her co-workers, anyone that she knew and implored them to support Black nonprofit organizations very much in the same way that folks were asking to support Black businesses and she put together a list of charities that she was familiar with in the New York area where she resides, and that quickly captured everyone's attention. She was getting calls from folks asking, okay, what other organizations are you aware of? Can you publish this list someplace where I can share it with other folks? And before you know it, it became viral. And that sparked an idea that maybe one of the ways that we could tackle disparity and inequity in philanthropic giving is by creating some sort of like clearinghouse where donors and funders alike can come discover and support Black organizations. And that's essentially what Giving Gap is it is a website, givinggap.org, that anyone can go to and access for free, where we have vetted and cataloged at this point, 1200 organizations across the country that are doing good work in their communities. And those uh, areas in which they work range from animal rights and shelters to environmental causes, to arts and culture, to disaster relief and education and health and all those things in between. And uh, it's been a phenomenal experience putting this thing together, we're learning a lot but I think most importantly, we are discovering that there is a tremendous heart and interest in the world right now for addressing this issue head on.
0: Yeah, it well, that is uh, a a great founding story. The the context for launching Giving Gap is is rather painful. Uh, you know, I think we were all um going through difficult times, and of course, uh George Floyd's lynching uh, was a painful trigger for uh, the country uh, to reckon one more time with uh, a racist history uh, and a racist present too much. So uh, really appreciate that. Um, as you uh, think about your work at Giving Gap, w- how would you describe the goal? What are you, what are you hoping to do at Giving Gap?
1: That's a great question. I love that Uh, the most obvious one is to mobilize dollars to close the gap in giving of the four hundred and fifty billion dollars that Americans give to charity each year. There's a tiny uh, percentage that is given actually to black organizations. And we know in our efforts to dismantle systemic racism that supporting black nonprofits who are oftentimes on the front lines of some of the most pres- pressing social issues of our country need the resources in order to really tackle those those issues in a meaningful, substantial, scalable kind of way. But I think one of the other things as a data collecting uh, agency that Giving Gap has the opportunity to do within this conversation is to challenge a lot of ways in which we think about a high performing nonprofit organization. Uh, too often we define effectiveness and performance by budget size, by how big your cash reserves are, your endowment. And um, we rarely think about performance in terms of a leader's intimacy with community, their lived experience, their unrelenting commitment. And these are the attributes and characteristics that we are discovering are um, prominent and unique to Black-founded organizations. That they are going to do this work whether the resources are there for them or not. The resources haven't been there and yet every day more and more organizations are getting their 501c3 status to address a critical need in their community. We're finding that a lot of black organizations are founded by folks who at some point grappled with the same issues that their organization was created to address. So when you think about that kind of expertise that lived experience brings to solutions that you're creating, And I think as an extension of that, we're seeing a very human-centered way in which Black founders, Black leaders, Black organizations approach community work. They really think about the whole individual. Folks are not numbers or statistics, but it's really about this holistic approach to getting people to realize their greatest potential. Um, And and again, I, I can't say enough about just that commitment piece. And that is a piece of the the, the Giving Gap data that I have great curiosity around. How are we able to sustain this work? What are those sources that we're pulling on? And so I think uh, in, in this iteration of Giving Gap, we hope to provide more insight into that so that when we are mobilizing funders and donors alike to provide more investment and contribution, that we're thinking about it within the context of what is unique to these leaders and the work that they're doing so that we can, we can align those investments in a way that's most accommodating to how they've been able to do the work.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you, you highlight something that is really uh, interesting that, that so often we judge a nonprofit by its balance sheet Uh, to a lesser extent, by its income statement. And there's an irony there, right? If a nonprofit has a lot of money in the bank, that's a lot of good they could have done and haven't done yet. <laughs> so uh, it is kind of ironic. Um, mm-hmm. As you think about what you're seeing among Black-led uh, nonprofit founders, what do you see as some of the great strengths that are unheralded?
1: Mm. A lot of uh, obviously, you know, having been um, redlined in a lot of ways around financial resources, Black leaders have had to do more with less. So, a lot of innovation around stretching a dollar. Um, the tendency to do a lot of collaboration as a result of that and that collaboration having you know multiple impacts on how they're able to one identify benef- beneficiaries to their program and then execute on how they want to solve these issues um, as i mentioned earlier just the audacity to keep going the audacity to keep going and sometimes at, at a real cost to their own health well-being and their own financial solvency, I think is, um, is, is interesting and, and requires a little bit more study. Um, but I think, you know, more importantly, there's just such a diverse, uh, approach to how they think about community. It's not just solely around racial justice, social justice issues, right? There are organizations that are, um, trying to get folks to embrace outdoors more, right? More interest in outdoor activity. I was just attending a function here in Atlanta where I reside, uh, where I met the first African American competitive um, road cyclist. He's from Atlanta, Uh He accomplished this in 2019 and has since erected a nonprofit organization trying to open up road cycling to other black women. And in doing this work, she is challenging this industry's um, woeful, you you know, exclusion of all kinds of people, not just Black women, Black men, but all kinds of issues that need to be sort of, um, you know, raised up. And I think whenever Black folks enter into a space, they democratize it for everybody, not just themselves. And I think that's something unique to their experience. Um, So it's just... It's, it's incredible to do this kind of work, and i'm and I'm very fortunate to be able to do this.
0: Well, it is inspiring work. It's so important too. As you look at what you've been able to accomplish, uh,
1: what do you see as your superpower? That's such a great question, too. Um When you mentioned that earlier, I was thinking that one of my unique talents, I would say two. One is my ability to connect disparate ideas together. Um, I've always said that my work operates at the intersection of of my, or my curiosity is really uh, at the intersection of people, ideas and places. Um, And so I think about infrastructure a lot and I think about how people move within that infrastructure and the ideas that spring forth from that. And because i have a background in theater the people piece is really important to me in terms of just one's emotional well-being right so i'm always occupying space and thinking about how could people move through this better so that they can 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 connect with each other better because to me that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day we don't live this life on our own it's all to be in community and connection with each other and in doing so uh, learn a lot more about ourselves and um, have a better experience than we had previously. It's it's better to do this thing in community with people than by ourselves.
0: And uh, coincidentally, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You keep going.
1: <laughs> I was also I was also thinking in saying that about the Harvard study um, about the, the, their their. Longitudinal study on uh, well-being, where they've been tracking participants of the study from 1939, and they recently published a book. And you know, after following these people and their partners and their coworkers and and their offspring, you know, reflecting on what it means to have a good quality life, like the single greatest factor are our relationships. It doesn't matter what you rank socially, economically, otherwise your title, how much money is in your bank. Like at the end of the day, the marker of a good life is is defined by the quality of those relationships. They help to mitigate hard times. They give us a sense of meaning and purpose and they make life enjoyable. And that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, boy, that, that's a profound insight. As as you think about your Superpower connecting ideas and people. Uh, what what would be an example of something that you accomplished using that superpower?
1: Hmm. An example of connecting ideas, people, and place. I think it's, I think it's revealed in, in how I move in life, Um, my tendency to always bring people together in a space and being very uh, intentional about how I connect those people in that space and the conversation that I then prompt. I never have a gathering of people where there aren't prompts that I give folks. So if we're gathered together over a meal, there's going to be some prompt uh, either uh, helping folks to draw on some memory of their youth, right? So growing up as a kid, did you walk to school? Did you take the bus? What was that experience like? What did you see along the way? And in doing so, that will prompt someone else at the dinner table to either share a similar story or to offer some other insight. And it's always in an effort for people to see each other that maybe otherwise they, they don't see each other. Uh, previously, before working with Giving Gap, I was part of a nonprofit called Generator, which is based in Atlanta. It was founded by the gentleman here who's um, you know, single-handedly credited for creating Our Beltline, which is an infrastructure project that connects Atlanta, a city known for suburban sprawl, but it connects the city Uh, with this transit corridor um, in a way that's never been realized before we have folks coming to Atlanta now that don't have cars like intentionally not buying cars which was unheard of 20 years ago right we love our highways we've always loved our highways and so I worked with um, Ryan Gravelis his name uh, on this uh, this enterprise generator which was all about bringing people together to generate ideas around the future of cities and in doing that work, we would uh, bring folks uh, to reimagine different things. We did a, an ideas competition, reimagining our 285 highway, which is a highway system that um, circles the city. And the point of that was just to get people to look at to one and notice their environment, and two, to demand other ways in which it could be used. We see a highway there and we think, well, that's it. It's permanent, nothing else can be done. But that's not actually the case. The same way that the Beltline was this abandoned rail line uh, that now has become this massive transit corridor that's connecting cities with trails. And as a result, like, you know, commercial development has sprung all through it is the same way that we could imagine a highway system. And uh, I think that's one of the greatest lessons that I learned that further uh, deepens my, my superpower of connecting people, you know, because it's all about just noticing things, being curious and wondering, what are other ways in which this could be better, be more enjoyable, give us more time with each other.
0: Well, that's a great example, great example. And, you know, one of the things I sense as we visit is that you are very deliberate about the way that you connect and interact with people that, uh, you know, building relationships is so, so important for you. So one of the things I suspect is that you have coached people directly or indirectly on how to do what we're talking about, how to make these connections share with us, if you would, some of the insights you would share with others so that we're all a little bit better at making those connections between ideas and people and places.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the question. Um, you know, as someone who started in the nonprofit sector, really as a fundraiser, which is all about relationships, um, you know, I kind of arrived at my approach and philosophy, one, because fundraising is really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And I needed to find a way to make it fun. And what I realized is that when I was spending time with donors, I was really in a lot of ways facilitating an opportunity to connect their investment to what they value. And that's a very privileged place to be. And when you reframe your role in that way, I mean, that you want to get up in the morning and you want, you you, you want to do that kind of work. And what I um, also realized that as a fundraiser or someone representing, you know, the mission of a nonprofit organization, that there were, there were things that I could offer to a donor, not, not just the transaction of this uh, donation, but also, you know, fellowship and connecting and all that kind of great stuff. So when you, you asked, you know, what are other ways in which I realize, you know, my work in connecting people, the walking meeting is one of those ways, right? I love to invite people to go for a walk, to hear about my organization, that's sort of, that's, that's the first veil of it, but really I want to get to know you. So, so my advice to folks is be curious, be open, ask questions, and in doing so share parts of yourself. There is yes, the conversation, the agenda at hand, but there are so many other things that we can peel away and discover that you just can't name or plan for. They just reveal yourself when you when you show up in a place of openness and curiosity. My daughter right now is in Kenya as we speak because I was at a lounge someplace and and sparked a conversation with someone who was there and learned about their work. And it turned out that they have a program where they take high schoolers around the world as a way to sort of open and expand what's possible for them and I followed up with that gentleman when the application was open and my daughter got a chance to participate. And there she is on an all expenses paid trip to Kenya, having an incredible time of her life. She made it to the continent before I did and she's 16 years old. So these are the things, like these are the experiences that, uh, you know, can help meet our bottom line, but also make our our lives, our our day-to-day lives more enjoyable and those around us more enjoyable. And so, Be curious, be open, share yourself, share parts of yourself and listen, you know, with authenticity to what you're, what you're um, hearing. And then the last step of that is connect the dots, right? Yeah. Connect what you hear to something about yourself, offer to help, you know, make an introduction, pick up a book because of something that you heard, that you want to know more information. It's just, it's just an ongoing, it's an ongoing process. And it, it's been a wonderful way to reframe how I show up in my job every day.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, Heather, I'm so grateful for that you would make the time for this conversation. Grateful for all that you've shared with us, the insights the and the the history and all Before we wrap up, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Giving Gap, how they can contribute, how they can participate, and and people will also want to connect with you personally. So maybe you've got a social media link or something that you could share so that people know how to connect with you personally.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, For anyone interested in learning more or discovering the 1200 plus organizations that we have currently cataloged on our platform, you can simply go to givinggap.org. That's givinggap.org. And from that, you can also uh, tap into all of our social media channels. We are on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, as well as Facebook. And then to connect with me personally, which I would love to do with your listeners, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just send me a message or email me me at heather at, gen- I was going to say generate my old job, heather <laughs> at, you can email me heather at givinggap.org. That's heather at givinggap.org.
0: Heather, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. You've just been a delight to have on the show. We're grateful for all that you do. Uh, excited to see you succeed. It is uh, an important opportunity for those of us who uh are not members of the African-American community to lean in a little bit, to find ways to support the African-American community and giving to the, the founders you've identified in these small growing nonprofits. It's a great way for us to uh, lean in to our desire to help create a more egalitarian society. So thank you very much, Heather. We wish you every success.
1: Thank you so much, Dave Devin. And thank you for creating the space for us to share our superpowers.
0: <laughs> All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit DevonThorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.